After excelling in both, what motivates a world champion and Olympian in BMX to focus full-time on mountain biking? Once that decision's been made, what drives you to become the first ever woman to perform a front flip on a mountain bike? How do you train to do that, both on the bike and in the gym? And in the midst of a legendary career, how do you give back and foster the next generation? This is Beyond the Lead with Caroline Buchanan. Caroline Buchanan is a big deal in Australian biking. A frequent champion in both BMX and mountain biking across Australia and the world, she represented Australia at the 2012 and 2016 Summer Olympics in the BMX, finishing fifth in London and making the semi-finals in Rio. Tragically, in 2017, she was involved in an off-road car accident, suffering life-threatening injuries and was forced off the bike as she underwent a long and arduous rehabilitation process. Helped by their one-year delay, she targeted a third Olympics at Tokyo 2020, but, alas, missed out on selection. Not one to rest on her laurels, however, Buchanan immediately turned her focus elsewhere and in August became the first ever woman to perform a front flip on a mountain bike at the Audi 9s event in Germany. Having announced on her Instagram in June that she was set to focus full-time on mountain biking, the 30-year-old has a jam-packed schedule ahead of her over the next 12 months, a competitive slate she will balance with her work with Ignite, a mentorship program for young Australian girls all across the action two-wheeled world. But before all that, she has to stay sane in hotel quarantine after returning to Australia from her history-making Germany trip. Yeah, well, I mean, it's awesome. I can have a chat today. You're breaking up about an hour or so of my time, which is awesome. Um, staying sane, this is the third time that I've done hotel quarantine now. So I guess you could say I'm used to it. I now seem to like structure my training and life outside of quarantine to basically make sure I do all my adulting and responsibility in here. And then when I get out, I'm a full-time athlete that I um, just focus on that. So yeah, kind of just like have to shuffle being an athlete now and traveling and yeah, obviously fitting in the time. So like hotel quarantine, is this when you're doing all your business meetings, setting up sponsorships, all of that sort of stuff? Is that where, is that the adulting you're talking about? That's the adulting. Yeah. So this week I, for example, like launched a scholarship program for girls. I've wrapped up all my contracts for 2021. I've got my calendar out for next year. I've just planned a two month trip through New Zealand and yeah, New Zealand tourism and all my racing and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, just try to be like as productive as I can, as well as working out. And that seems to make the time go a little bit quicker. Yeah. Because I mean, in extreme sports, BMX and mountain biking, that is so much part of being an extreme sports athlete, isn't it? It's the hustle, it's the social media, it's the working with brands. It's such an important aspect of being what you are, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't obviously have your football team or partners to rely on. So yeah, it's been a big part of me growing up in this sport when what I wanted to be, I couldn't see as a little girl, like that pathway to be a female BMX athlete didn't exist. So yeah, quite early on, I grasped the importance of the hustle and forming relationships and those sponsors. And I guess you could say just, yeah, making it work and evolving with the times to be present and relevant and um, 
yeah, make a living out of riding two wheels. Because mm. you also mentioned working out. I did see you post uh, a workout montage, love a good workout montage, um, across your social medias of yourself in hotel quarantine. Um, I, what sort of, like, I know it's been a long road back for you to setting PRs in the gym since your 2017 accident, but what sort of stuff do you do in the gym as an extreme sports athlete on two wheels? Like, what's the basis for your training? What are you trying to accomplish um, in the weight room, in, in the gym, that sort of stuff? Well, yeah, taking a step back to where it all began, I was nine years old when I first started, like, just the basics of, like, understanding training, and that was awesome for my early on childhood career of BMX racing. Uh, to be a BMX racer, predominantly it's that strength power. So it's a lot of Olympic lifts, some of the PRs that I had to get up to, to have those strength requirements were basically like 140 kilo squats, 130 deadlifts, 90 kilo power cleans. And that's at like roughly a body weight of about 63 kilos. So generating that to like a watt bike or power, it's about 21 watts per kilo. That was really the output that you needed to have. So yeah, predominantly a lot of my racing career was spent in the gym, three days a week, two hour gym sessions. Fortunately enough, I'm not doing that right now, which is amazing. Like my body's getting a nice break that it deserves. Um, coming back from injury, it was like quite a long process to build up my body to be able to withstand those weights again. And then obviously in hotel quarantine, we've got minimal equipment. So a few bands and obviously you use the resources you have like couches and coffee tables and things to assist. And you're doing your workouts in hotel quarantine because you've just returned from Germany um, the, and the Audi nines event. And fair to say that probably a pretty good event for you, that um, Audi nines event, you won the best trick award and, you're probably pretty good chances to win the best trick award when you make history and you becoming the first um, ever woman to pull off a front flip on a mountain bike. Could you just walk me through the flip itself? What's going through your mind as you're pedaling up, you're getting towards the mound, you leave the mound and you're in the air and then you're landing it. What What's that split or seconds like? <laughs> yeah, well, the whole event and process to get there and the front flip and the world's first. Um, yeah, it was a very quick turnaround, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Only four months ago, I found out I didn't make the selection for BMX racing for Tokyo. Literally the next day, I got a call up from Audi 9 saying this is the first time we're having women onto this event. Uh, it's been running for years in the snow world. It's been their predominant content progression action sport event. It's filtered into the mountain biking as well with the guys. And yeah, they gave me a call and they said, hey, we're having women this year. Do you want to be a part of the nine girls that come? And I was like, I'll be there. Um, so yeah, I really turned my attention to basically just rebuilding my backyard. I've got an airbag, dirt jumps, different ramps, and that's in Canberra. So I was able to put in some time, work on those freestyle skills, I'd done backflips, 360s, flares and things in the past, but I'd never actually landed a front flip. So uh, Ryan Williams, an Australian Nitro Circus athlete, he actually taught me on his airbag. And I sort of just had in the back of my mind that going to an event like Audi 9s, you've got the best athletes in the world, that global stage, and it is about progression and worlds first. And they have that media outlet to, you know, they've got the drone flyers from GoPro and they've got everyone on hand. So yeah, I went there with the vision that I wanted to land this world's first. And 
it wasn't the perfect jump. So when I got there, I was a little bit nervous. It was a little bit short, which meant I needed to speed up the rotation early and change my technique a little bit. But I managed to do it. I landed a little bit deep, but landed it first time, came home injury-free. And, um, yeah, I mean, just watching the footage, if you watch it through my social media, everyone's screaming, the boys are happy. And, um, you know, I was pretty relieved as well. It was such a different, unique feeling. I've won world titles in BMX and mountain biking in racing before. But to do a trick, I think, for yourself and to – set history but to do it for yourself it was a real rewarding experience you overcoming your own mind and you just having that belief system versus you know racing another girl or cutting her off to take the lead and um yeah so different I've experienced that high performance race world and now obviously more of the freestyle world you you touched a bit there on how you trained to perform the front flip on the uh, the uh, inflatable and the like, just how do you like, is it just a matter of you just start doing front flips onto the soft surface until you land it? I mean, or is it, is there a process? How do you progressively overload training for a front flip? What does that look like? Um, well, I guess you've got to be pretty powerful and explosive. So my background of my career has helped me to be capable of doing it as well. Um, obviously, there's just that black control and, Ryan Williams that taught me, he stepped me through the process, which, um, yeah, it was quite simple. You have to lean back on the up ramp. You really have to snap your body weight quite fast over the front of the bike, but to one side of the tire. So you don't hit your helmet on your front tire. Um, yeah. And then it's actually a really good trick because you're not blind, like a backflip. Once you're midway through, you can see the sky, you can see the rotation, you can see your landing. So you know when to open up, you know when you're going to land. Um, but it does just take trial and error. Like the nah, like the crazy guys that started freestyle, you know, back in the day that didn't have airbags, they were breaking bones, trying to like land new tricks. And, you know, now I think it's such a blessing that kids and, you know, everyone has airbags, foam pits, skate parks, like they can learn freestyle in such a safe environment so yeah that's why the progression is happening so fast and for women now I think we're really going to see this like fast progression um because the doorways have opened there's now women's free ride there's women's freestyle for mountain biking um and unlike other sports like surfing and skateboarding that have there's been a really close gap between the women and men mountain biking there's been this huge gap between them so yeah, now I guess the opportunities are there and I'm just pretty happy that I can jump on board and ride this wave with all the girls. I mean, you've already had a very glittering career up to this point. Uh, world titles in BMX, Olympic Games in BMX and more. How does making history feel at this point? Can making history become routine and lose its luster? Yeah, watch this space. I mean, I'd love to land more worlds first. I think the thing that's really like gratifying about it now is you're not preparing for events that might be in six months. You're not preparing for things that might get cancelled. Every single day I'm noticing if I'm training my backyard or I'm trying to learn a new trick, you can take the small wins out of it. So, yeah, right now in the way of the world, it's quite, you know, gratifying and really addictive just to try to be better than you were the day before and learn these these new skills and, and new tricks and take the wins out of that versus, yeah, having to go to an event. 
I mean, what's next now? Now that you've done the first front flip, what is the the next great uh, first for women's mountain biking? What sort of tricks are yourself <laughs> and your competitors going to be going for now? I mean, I'm sure by looking at the way that freestyle BMX and the trajectory of other sports, it's going to happen soon that there will be girls doing front flip no handers they'll be doing flares they'll be doing 360 tower whips um all these things are going to happen and i think it's going to happen quite quick so yeah i'd love to be involved and do that as well from here the next events are actually in new zealand so over to crankworks for their festival tour which um for mountain biking it's an event where all the categories come together in one week pump track slalom speed and style best whip downhill enduro so all all the cycling comes together for that week because as we've been talking about the flip was performed at the audi nines events in germany and as you said this was the first occasion in which women were competing at this event for those of us such as myself not fully ensconced in the world of action sports could you give us an insight into what the audi nines is what that's got what type of competition it is Yes, yeah, so the Audi Nines, as I said, it started in ski and the whole snow world, so snowboarding. Yeah, they basically come in and build these features and courses, which are quite arty and abstract and unique, like definitely look them up. Um, but they create them in a safe environment to push the progression. You know, they ask the athletes, it's built by athletes too. So what's going to be the next quarter pipe or different feature or different unique jump and how can they build it um, to basically make not only the best content but make these worlds first happen so yeah that that started and it wasn't a competition-based environment the awards at the end of the week like your best trick your ruler of the week things like that they're nominated by the athletes that are there and it's that kind of rider voted system but it's not really what it's about it's about making epic content and um, you know progressing just as a community world's first and pushing the, pushing the sport to new levels. Yeah. It sounds like a celebration of the creativity that you all have with the, the course as your canvas and your bikes as your, um, your tools, your medium. Yeah, definitely. And the photographers are there and they're getting epic content and you've got some of the world's best FPV drone flyers who are there as well. And, you know, they've got crazy red cameras hooked up to drones and uh, yeah, it's, Pretty awesome event. <laughs> and you, you did mention before that uh, event came after, um, unfortunately, you weren't selected in the Tokyo 2020 squad. And I did see that you posted on your Instagram in June about how you were moving away from BMX and going to be focused on mountain biking. I have to imagine that was a de uh, decision you'd spent a lot of time pre-Tokyo 2020 decision thinking about, and it probably would have happened after the Olympics anyway. But could just maybe giving us an insight what what was behind the decision to focus on mountain biking now with BMX probably being such an well not probably definitely being such an important part of your life for so long it was it was a massive chapter of my life doing it from the age of five yeah. all the way until 30 so yeah my entire career my roots I mean majority of my titles have been in BMX racing Jumping between mountain biking and BMX, I've done since I was 15 years old. So pretty used to, you know, jumping between the two sports. And that's really helped me with my longevity, my brand, my skill sets, just everything. Um, after these Tokyo Olympics, it was that final stone that I wanted to turn was to go to another Olympic Games 
the biggest, uh, I guess you could say positive was I'd come off two years out of the sport with three sternum reconstructions and um, 28 bolts in my chest and two wire cables. And finally, when my sternum had healed and I returned to sport, my goal was if I can train and get my body back to being one of the best athletes in the world, potentially capable of qualifying for an Olympic Games, then I knew I was going to be strong enough to take on any goal that I wanted from there. So it was really this benchmark goal and it was a dream to go to another Olympics. Um, so whilst I was like disappointed, I didn't go. I'm fortunate that I've been to two already. And I knew that it was that quick turning point to go, what's really motivating me now? What are some goals I haven't achieved in mountain biking? Um, and yeah, just adapt fast and yeah, hang up the BMX bike and uh, focus on the mountain biking. Yeah, I, I imagine it probably like would have been a very emotional decision when you're typing out that caption on your social media and when you're telling your friends and family about it, it must have been emotional for you. Yeah, I mean, it was like a breakup with sport, definitely. And you've got all <laughs> those little girls and things that, you know, you inspire and everyone uses the word retirement. And I'm like, hold on, I'm not retiring <laughs> from sport. I'm still here. I'm just, you know focusing my attention. I think nowadays too, it's a lot hard to be everything. Um, a few years ago, I was able to jump between the two sports and hit world titles in the same calendar year in both. That's virtually impossible now. So yeah, to be a little bit more of a specialist and to focus that time and attention into what I'm really passionate about and what's um, what I feel like I'm meant to be doing right now. And I think having that one call the day after the selection, you know, the universe, I think is sort of saying, you know, this is my next journey, my next purpose. And to kind of follow that. I guess on a systemic level, then maybe, I guess it's kind of a positive thing that you, it's not uh, really feasible to specialize in two sports now, because that level of competition is being raised. And that means there are so many great athletes reaching the point where you have to pick one because the competition is so good. Yeah, it is. And it's awesome to see. Like when I grew up, there wasn't a lot of girls in the sport and there wasn't a lot of depth. Whereas now that they've become Olympic sports and there's those pathways to the top. Yeah, we're seeing obviously like the legitimate athletes and the best in the world. And yeah, the girls are fierce now. So quite, quite awesome. You know, and I'm super glad I've been able to do both. But yeah, now you've really got to focus that time and attention towards one. And I guess looking back over the past well, 25 years, as you said, of BMX, do you have a favourite uh, memory, a favourite competition that you did? Can you? Is it possible to narrow it down to one? Oh, wow. Well, competing at two Olympic Games is obviously incredible. London was definitely my favourite. Rio was an amazing Games as well. Um, but I think London was probably the best. Uh Standing on that Olympic final start gate and having David Beckham staring back at me, the royal family, thousands of spectators, you know, I mean, that's just like surreal. I think that's one of those moments of celebration that, yeah, win or lose, made it to an Olympic Games. In Rio, I ended up getting cut off down the start hill in the semifinal. I nose cased the first jump, my bars moved forward, and then I couldn't turn in the first corner because my bars are forward and it jackknifed me over the bars and I crashed. So crashing out, I think in the Rio Olympics, I was devastated. I walked up into the stands and I'd had this like really great relationship with Mariana Pajon who'd won uh, two Olympics for Colombia. 
really the queen of BMX. And we'd always had this like great relationship. So we're in Rio, we're in South America. The stands are just full of Colombian fans for her. And when I walked up and I'd been not even in the Olympic final, we're waiting for the Olympic final and I get this standing ovation. So her family, her grandparents, all her friends, and then next minute, two walls of the track just stand up and applaud me. And I think, you know, I'm standing there in tears with the Australian flag wrapped around my neck and I'm about to watch this Olympic final that I didn't make. And to be recognised like that for me as a career highlight was that Olympic moment to go. Pierre de Coubertin started the Olympics and it was about fighting fair and about not about gold and Olympic and triumph. And it really was like, you know what, I've been that champion in my life. And as a, as a competitor and that great competitor, we've had these like fierce rivalries. Um, but that respect in that Olympic moment and that standing ovation was something like I'll cherish forever. So probably to this day, that would be the highlight of my career. It's liable to give you goosebumps just hearing about it, just even all these years on. But when Stan Mupple. Because another thing I did want to ask you about, and you have mentioned a few times during our chat about when you were growing up, there weren't a lot of um, women who were competing in these sort of sports. So you didn't have a lot of mentors. And I have seen you have your own mentorship program called um, Ignite, which is spelt I-G-N exclamation mark T-E for all of that, for Otto from The Simpsons. Um, but maybe do you want to Eyes upside down. Just yeah. also happened to be an exclamation mark. Yeah. But so could you run us down? What does Ignite do? What's the purpose of Ignite? Yeah. So, I mean, the upside down I and the exclamation mark, it's that impact and it's that difference. And that's what the brand's about. Um, I started... When I was 14, Lane Beachley, she was one of my mentors and she had an Aim for the Stars Foundation. So that moment in my life to have someone believe in me, to strip back some limiting beliefs and say, you know, one day you're going to win more world titles than I have. And I was like, really? You know, so she um, she was that really strong person in my life. Uh, that's why I started Buchanan Next Gen. So for the last seven years and 12 girls, $76,000 worth of sponsorship support. I've managed to send these girls over to the world championships each year and they get that global exposure, that race competition at the world champs. We've had two world titles come out of it. Um, but more importantly from there, in the last two years, I've realised how can I evolve this to be more suited to today's times where you can't travel. So <laughs> I basically decided that I needed to bring it back to really achievable goals. Ignite is all about igniting girls' dreams now. And what do they need between where they are now and where they want to be? So it's like a real project-based, dream-driven uh, Ignite scholarship. I've opened it up from 13 to 19-year-old girls in BMX, mountain bike, and moto. So that two-wheel dirt culture um, so really what the girls do now is they submit their project to me. It could be anything from they need an airbag so that they can train in their local cul-de-sac or backyard or local football field um, and learn skills for freestyle BMX or, you know, a motocross athlete might want to be getting to a race or, you know, add an extension onto a local motocross track or whatever it is um, that they need. The $4,000 goes towards helping ignite that dream, $1,000 towards the content budget to document it, help broadcast it to the world. And then I help mentor them through it. So 
checking in on Zoom calls and keeping them accountable and any questions they have. And that's their project to do in that, that four-month window. And that's Ignite. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned some of the success stories that have come, that have come out uh, of Ignite. How, how does that make you feel when you see these young people that you've helped go out and succeed? Is that, is that better than competing yourself? What does that feel like for you? It is. It's like I'm a mum, but I'm not a mum. Um, <laughs> heaps of energy, yeah, to turn around and like race myself, but then to turn around and like see that I've helped another girl race and be there at these world championship titles. Some of the girls, they've gone on to other sports. One of the girls, Desiree Barnes, she won the world title in BMX through my scholarship. She then went on to doing weightlifting and competing for the Commonwealth Games team for Australia. And now she's, you know, doing other sports. So, yeah, whatever they end up going on in their life, you know, to make a difference. And I think that's really what being an athlete and being a champion is all about. And I found when I went through my injuries and I was out for two years, I really had to strip back that identity that as an athlete, you're not your eight-time world title. You're not that Olympian. It's, you know, who are you as a person and like what legacy have you formed and can you leave the sport being successful and happy. And I think for me at that point, I questioned, you know, that gives me a lot of happiness to make that difference in these girls' lives. I mean, just hearing you speak about Ignite and your entire journey in the community and even something I've seen, my own observations from the outside looking in, it sounds like the two-wheel community, the action sports community, it really sounds like a close-knit, almost like a family thing. You're all competing, but you're also all of each other's biggest fans. Is that sort of an accurate summation? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. I've always felt like that. And, um, you know, there's obviously differences in the different sports and things, but I feel like sort of help bridge that gap between doing them all and opening some of those pathways. And looking at the Ignite site, I see applications are currently still open for the 2021 program. So you've touched a bit on, you know, what the scholarships provide, but do you want to give exactly who should be looking to apply for this program and how do they go about doing that? Yes. So any girl in Australia that is 13 to 19 who is in BMX, mountain bike or moto in any of the disciplines that come under those banners, uh, basically jump on and submit your submission. Uh, it, steps you through the process of who you are, attach your social media, attach your, your project you want. You, we're basically going to have the four-month window to achieve it in and whether it's starting the foundation of it, for an example, if a BMX girl needs a watt bike and a gym trainer and she really needs to increase her strength and stability for her future, then, you know, Ignite will make that happen and it's a foundation support. can be anything from that to one girl's submissions come through and mum's agreed to let her bulldoze the backyard and put some jumps in and a pump track. So, you know, her submission will go towards some dirt, a bobcat and, um, you know, a builder to make that happen. So yeah, girls are being really unique to go, what does their career need on two wheels? And um, let's keep it positive regardless of what's going on in the world now to make it happen. Must be some pretty accommodating mothers in the action sports world to allow the backyard to be bobcatted up and jumps to be installed. Dream. The dream. <laughs> the dream, as it were. Somehow piles of dirt have made me really happy my entire life. So <laughs> I think a lot of girls are pretty happy with dirt. 
So, so, but having worked in the non-profit space myself, I know that nothing like this happens without the generosity and support of backers, people that believe in the cause almost as much as you do. Who's helped you with Ignite and get this up off the ground? Yeah, so the major sponsor of this Ignite scholarship is Rubik3. They're a Canberra-based company with different offices around Australia and they're yeah, they're true supporters of Australian sport and making a difference. So, yeah, they're a business strategy company and they just really want to back and help what I'm doing. So they've supported my last few scholarships. Prior to that, it was Jayco Australia with Jerry Ryan. So he supported the first initial scholarship rounds. And, yeah, my goal from here is obviously to grow it. I'd love to take it international, but for now we're just sticking to Australia. I'd love to continue to have these ignitions. I'm going to have some signature product with fist handwear coming out soon. So some socks and gloves and T-shirts and those royalties will go back into more of these ignitions um, and supporting more girls. And I suppose if any business is listening to this and wants to get involved, they're more than welcome to reach out to you and see how they can help as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I want for the future. I've set this up as more of that brand. So it's not a charity. It's literally a brand so that for the future, the sky's the limit. No matter what brands want to come on, how this evolves, like I'd love the dream goal is to ignite so many girls per year, um, but also to potentially turn it into a facility. So Australia really needs an action sport indoor park. We've got all these new action sports for the Summer Olympics, BMX racing, BMX freestyle, three-by-three three basketball, surf, skate, everything. And, you know, there isn't really a hub or mecca or something to bring this together. So especially from being from Canberra, I know the cold winters there and, you know, something like that is definitely a dream to make that happen. I mean, growing up in Canberra, you would have seen the AIS, maybe an AIS for the action sports world. Yeah, I mean, it needs to... <laughs> It needs to happen on like a high performance level, but yeah, definitely also just that that grassroots and the kids level. And lastly, Carolyn, because you've been super generous with your time and I know there's so much we could discuss, but I have mentioned looking at your Instagram a few times so far in the chat. And while I was there, I did see a little Frenchie um, who pop, was popping up on your feed. Who is that? Uh, who's the Frenchie? Give us the details. Yeah, so that's my little French bulldog, Cremo. The page that's linked is Crave Frenchies. We're actually breeding him. So, yeah, he's only eight months old, but hopefully within the next couple of months, um, yeah, we'll be pairing him up with some breeders around Australia. And he's beautiful. I've always been obsessed with French bulldogs. So now with lockdown and everything that's happened over the last few years, I've actually been home and had time to have a dog now. <laughs> So no doubt looking forward to getting out of hotel quarantine and seeing him again. Yes, very excited to be out, spend that month at home in Canberra um, and then travel over to New Zealand for the next two months. Because mm, New Zealand's in the next couple of months. What's the plan for the next 12 months, actually, if you don't mind me asking? Just how many things do you have lined up or is it more spontaneous, so to speak? You get the call and I'm doing this competition now. How much planning can you do? Yes, well... I mean, at the moment, I'm planning definitely to, once I leave Australia, to potentially stay out to avoid these quarantines. Um, so the plan at the moment is the first few events of the year are all in Australia. We've got some Red Bull events. There's now an Australian slope style tour that's popped up. So, yeah, Mount Buller, Corralba and a few different resorts in, camp in Australia. Um, so that'll be the start of the year. 
then head over to Europe for the Crankwork series. There's a stop in Austria. I'll then go back to the Audi 9s from Europe across to Canada to Whistler for another Crankworks mountain bike event. Um, and then it looks like head to America. <laughs> I used to live in America for 10 years, so sorting out a little bit of my life that I had there. And then the competitions come back down to the Southern Hemisphere with Nitro World Games, um, Ozex Open with a celebrity pit bike event, back to New Zealand for Crankworks and some more events like Sea Otter, which is a trade show cycling festival in Canberra. So that's like a rough glance of <laughs> next year if all these events happen and everything. So, yeah, follow me on social media at cbuchanan68, which is my Instagram, or just type in Carolyn Buchanan on virtually any social media and you'll find me. I think I think I've seen you. You're on TikTok. You're on Instagram. You're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. You're on all of them. If you if you've got social media, so is Caroline Buchanan, so to speak. But um, well, Caroline, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat with us uh, at ESPN today. I know you're expecting a call from the hotel quarantine people at some point, just their daily check-ins. So won't keep you any longer. But really appreciate you joining us from ESPN. Good luck. Uh, staying sane in hotel quarantine and then getting out and smashing all of those goals in the years ahead. Thank you so much. So from Australia to Europe to Canada to the United States, back to Australia and then New Zealand and much more all on the agenda. The only person that works harder than Caroline Buchanan might just be her travel agent. As mentioned during our chat, you can follow all of Caroline's exploits across her various social media channels and... As another reminder, details of that Ignite scholarship program can be found on her website. But moving on, sincere gratitude for tuning into another edition of ESPN's Beyond the Lead, this time for a conversation between myself and biking star Caroline Buchanan. I've been Joey Lynch, and I'll probably keep being Joey Lynch, and don't forget that you can catch this episode, all episodes of Beyond the Lead, and every single episode of all of ESPN's collection of podcasting goodness anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts from. If you're liking what you hear from Beyond the Lead, please be sure to subscribe, give a famous five-star review, and help spread the word. But thanks for tuning in today, tomorrow, or whenever you happen to be catching this, and don't fret, because I'll be joining you for another deep dive into sports as ESPN takes you Beyond the Lead very soon.